in Cibolo Creek. I realized in last service, in my excitement, I didn't even say who I was. So for those of you who don't know, I'm not Paul. I'm Kristen, the adult ministries pastor here. And this is also, I'm a bit of a novice at this, and this is the first time I'm doing this twice. So you're gonna find out whether or not I'm warmed up or poured out. So bear with me, Grace. <laughs> um, I am so excited to be up here because I get the privilege of talking to you about something that God is teaching me about an area that I'm really passionate about. As we continue this discussion about a bright future, both as a church family and as individual followers of Jesus Christ. In the activities of life, how we order our time has to be built on a foundation with Jesus at the center. Our hours, our days, our weeks should begin with the foundation of a relationship with Jesus. And then the rest of our life flows out from there. This is the wheel that Paul showed us in week two. And the problem with this wheel, with Jesus at the center, is that he often slips out of that center. And sometimes without us even noticing that that's happened. And this image, it represents a worldview. A worldview is really just a set of values and thoughts. It's uh, stories and expectations about the world around us and then how we interact with it. So we have to take inventory. Is our worldview centered around Jesus or is it centered around that kingdom of me? Since I lasted before you, I have, after 25 years, gone back to school. So I am going to be taking with you with me a little bit on an education journey, things that I am learning. And I recently learned a fascinating history about worldview. The death of Alexander the Great back in 323 BC entered in, ushered in, what is known as the Hellenistic period. And it was the first time in history where humans took the center of the worldview. Hellenism by definition was all things Greek culture, Greek uh, thought, Greek customs, Greek styles. And it replaced a worldview that prior to then was largely centered around God or the gods. And life then was about pleasing God or the gods or trying not to displease them. So from food to rituals, entertainment, everything flowed out of that worldview around God or the gods. And this change to becoming a self-centered worldview, that culture looked an awful lot like what Paul was talking to us in this series in week two around kingdoms, the kingdom of family, the kingdom of career and success, the kingdom of image and lifestyle and wealth. And even though that Hellenistic period technically ended in 31 BC, the effects of that worldview around self remains. So then, how do we keep Jesus at the center? How do we remain out of the kingdom of me? 
Thankfully, Jesus made it simple for us. I'm gonna visit two scriptures you've heard a lot in this series. One is Matthew 22, starting in verse 36. And it says this, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second, it's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And then in Matthew 28, 19, he said, go and make disciples. So love God, love people. Be a disciple, make disciples. Pretty simple, right? Except that we, in our human understanding, we tend to make it a little more complicated than that. A few weeks ago, Pastor Joe uh, spoke about a way to view that simplicity, the way to view our life as being a disciple. And it was this, be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and then do what Jesus did. And in week two, Paul talked about the first of those, the foundation of being with Jesus, a life ordered around him at the center, love God, be with Jesus. And today, I wanna continue that conversation and focus on the other two, being like Jesus and doing what Jesus did because I'm convinced that those two are critical to keeping Jesus at the center of our worldview and serving people as he did. So to be like Jesus, we have to understand what Jesus was like. That's a whole other sermon series, but I'm gonna hit the high level of understanding what Jesus was like, and then you can chew on that a little bit more in your own Bible studies. But being like Jesus looked different than almost anything that the me-centered culture celebrates or considers acceptable. Being like Jesus is like walking in an upside down kingdom. Two scriptures, and there's many, but two that capture the essence of who, of what it was like to be like Jesus is the Sermon on the Mount in chapter five, specifically the Beatitudes, and then later in Matthew chapter 23. And those scriptures say things like this. The poor in spirit will inherit the earth. Those mourning will be comforted. Those who choose to understand will. The merciful will receive mercy. The pure in heart will see God. The peacemakers will be called the sons of God. Those persecuted and reviled for his sake will be rewarded. The greatest here will be a servant. Those who are humble will be raised up and those who are arrogant will be humbled. You see, Jesus wasn't who culture expected. He chose people whose society discarded or hated. He raised up those whose life had beaten down, not the smartest, not the wealthiest, not the fittest, not what any human would consider the way to build a kingdom. He lived and modeled an upside down kingdom. And he showed us what a disciple looked like. Be like Jesus. Be with Jesus and be like Jesus. And then we gotta do what Jesus did. Pastor Joe talked about in Luke 10, a couple weeks ago, that he asks us to be harvesters in the field, to love people and to make disciples. But who did Jesus ask us to serve? Who were his disciples? Are we simply called to love the people that God placed in our circles, in our church family? 
I mean, there's certainly enough to love and care for and disciple right here. I would say a resounding amen to that. We're called to it. Our spouse, our family, the next generation, the body of Christ. Yeah, we're called to serve those whom God entrusted to us. And, and we are called to those outside the walls of our family, both individually and our church family. And Jesus showed us that by moving towards the least, the lost, the discarded, and the unexpected, and we're to do what Jesus did. Luke 14, 12 through 14 says, don't invite your friends, your brother's relatives, or your rich neighbors, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Matthew 5, once again, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even tax collectors do the same? They were the most hated in that society. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than anybody else? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? You see, in his upside down kingdom, Jesus did the unthinkable, outside the box, and I would say some probably thought crazy. And we come back to Luke 10. Later in that chapter, in verse 25, uh, good old lawyers asking all the questions. Sorry, honey, and any lawyers out there. <laughs> A lawyer asks, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gave him an answer, and he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. But of course, there were more questions. And scripture tells us that, that a lawyer asked that question, asked the next question to justify himself. And who is my neighbor? If you have your Bibles, either the physical or the digital version, turn to Luke 10, and we're gonna read chapter 30 through 37 and Jesus's response. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that same road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. There's so much happening in that scripture, but the Samaritan was the least likely to stop and help the man. To do as Jesus did is what keeps him at the center. And one of the greatest ways to do that, to keep him from slipping back, slipping out of that center is to serve outside our comfort zone. To step into the messy, the costly, the outside the norm, the less worn path 
the hard, the inconvenient, the dangerous, the scary, and others might say, crazy. Do what Jesus did in his upside down kingdom. That is where we allow him then to show up in ways we can't explain and we didn't expect and we can't control. And it's where the impact on us and those we are serving then becomes all about him. In the place where the only thing left in the face of our fear or our insecurity or our inadequacy is to trust and fully lean on him. I am a little bit hard-headed, just a smidge. No amens, that's good. <laughs> it has taken some serious outside my comfort zone experiences to start to let go of the kingdom of me. And I wanna share one of those experiences with you to illustrate how Jesus steps in in those moments when we are outside our comfort zone. This church family has served a wonderful group of people in Nigeria for about 10, 12 years in the villages of Otutulu and Lakoja. And after helping the leader at the time plan several of those trips, I was super excited to be able to, to go on one of them. And this particular journey, it was great because we were not only getting the opportunity to visit those orphanages, but we were gonna take a third journey into an area called Basa and drill some water wells. Super excited about that. So we get to the country of Nigeria and we spend a few days in Otutulu and then our transportation arrives to go into Basa. And it is this enormous several ton truck. It has a big cab on the front of it and a, a flatbed trailer on the back with some sides. And most of the team jumps in the back of the trailer and the well driller and the driver gets in the cab along with our trip leader. And there's this funny thing that happens in Nigeria. Um, Nigerians think that I am maybe a little bit sickly. I just need to eat a few more sandwiches. Um, at this moment in time, I was glad for that though, because I got to ride in the cab with the driver and the trip leader. So I'm in the cab of this big truck. And friends, let me just say, when you travel in Nigeria, it is very, very different than when you travel in the US. And that's a bit of an understatement. And to this day, I have no idea how that truck driver knew where we were going in Basa because you literally head into the bush. And so I have no idea how they got there. It's just bush everywhere. And so we're traveling and about halfway there, the truck suddenly stops. And I look over and there's a big ravine in front of us. Uh, Nigeria, they have these heavy rains and it's probably an area that was washed away from the rains. And the truck driver gets out. He's a, a man of few words, so he doesn't tell us why. He gets out of the truck and he starts pulling out boards from behind our seats. They're two by sixes. That'll be important to know. So I look out over the front of the truck and I realize he's placing two by sixes in front of the tires of this several ton truck for us to drive over the ravine. And the panic starts to well up inside of me. And I'm thinking, no, no, Lord, this is not how this is supposed to end. And I look over at my trip leader and she has wrapped her arms around her head. She's rocking back and forth, not watching, and she's praying as loud as she can. And in my head, I say, Lord, is all we've got prayer? Yeah, your 
pastor standing up here this morning literally said, is all we got prayer. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been so scared or outside your comfort zone that all you can do is pray? I'm standing before you, so we made it across that ravine. Um, Physics or something, I don't understand it all, but we made it and we traveled on into the village where we were going. And as we're driving through, I can't even describe, this country is stunning, beautiful. So I was distracted by uh, looking all around me and suddenly I realized we're in this village and there's uh, villagers lined up and their dignitaries are there. Their dignitaries are all dressed up in the finest, uh, absolutely beautiful clothing. And there's this semicircle of chairs. And I realized, oh, those are for us. They're here to honor us. And so we get out of the truck and we sit down in the chairs and then... I look to my right and I see that they're passing books along to each one of us. And I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. We don't know that language. We barely know Igala from Otutulu, a few words. And I open up the book and I realize it's a songbook and they want us to lead them in singing. Friends, there's a running joke in our office that the only person that can sing is our worship pastor and they're not wrong. And I'm one of those. And I look down to my right and I realize neither can they. (laughs) And I think, really, Lord, this is not what I signed up for. I am absolutely unequipped. I should not be singing. What am I doing here? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that situation? Lord, you didn't equip me for this. Why am I in this position? It puts Jesus back at the center real quick. And we didn't cause an international incident, thank goodness. And I'll be honest though, I think I uh, blocked that out. I don't really remember the singing part, (laughs) but we stayed the next morning. We were walking into the village where we were going to uh, drill some water wells. And as we're walking, another group of people start coming across our path. And they're followed by some cattle, interesting cattle, not like you see here. And I realized, I looked at our trip leader and she smiled and nodded her head. And I realized these are the nomadic Fulani cattle people and you don't get to see them very often. So I was very, very excited. So I started walking faster and I started walking towards this beautiful lady and her adorable daughter she was holding. And as I'm walking, I realized, She's backing up and she's screaming. She's terrified of me. And I think, I gotta let her know I don't mean harm. And I realized she had earrings on. So I took my earrings out and I put them in my hand and I went like this to reach out to give her that gift. And as little kids do when they're scared, that little girl started climbing up her, her head as fast as she could and was just screaming and they turned and ran. And I thought, gosh, I, I don't mean them any harm, but there's no fixing this. Have you ever been there? I know some of you have. You've been judged. People have been afraid of you even when you meant good. So we continued on to go drill these wells. 
And I will tell you, it is some of the hardest work trying to drill a water well out in the middle of nowhere. And as much as I wanted to help with that, um, I really couldn't. <laughs> I told the other service, we took some fun pictures making it look like we were helping, but we weren't really helping. So the ladies and I went uh, and helped some of the women and the children and got to know them. It was really wonderful. And there was this little boy from Basa who must have been sent to Abuja at one point or another and had learned some English. So if you've ever been in those situations where you don't know the language, when you find someone who does and they know English, they become your best friend. And this little boy became our best friend and he followed us all over. And he was so proud of his job as an interpreter. And he took us all over his village and he took us out to uh, his school. And I'm not gonna describe his school because I can't. It's nothing like school here. And the entire time he was pulling on my, on my sleeve and he was saying, take me to America with you. Take me to America. And so in front of his school, I turned to him and I said, your country is beautiful. Your people are happy. Why do you want to go to America? And he squared up his shoulders and he looked me in the eyes and he said, I want to go to school. Have you ever been there? The recognition of what an ego-driven, self-absorbed Christ follower I can be. He just wanted to go to school. It shifted Jesus back to the center real quick. When the kingdom begins to shift, serving outside of our comfort zone can change our filter and shift our view back to Jesus and everything else flows from there. Do what Jesus did. Choose the upside down kingdom. See people, the discarded and the dismissed, Love people and serve them. Do what Jesus did and know why we're doing it. Jesus at the center of our worldview, making disciples. Friends, what is our witness as a disciple? It's our words. It's sharing the gospel when we get that precious opportunity. But it's also our action and our lives. And often our lives speak louder than our words. And it's not a permanent fix. You see, this world is intent on shifting our view away from being like Jesus and doing what Jesus did. Alexander the Great said, if you give me influence over these four areas, I will rule. And subsequently, he changed a worldview. He shifted the kingdom to be self-centered, and he won the hearts, the minds, the loyalty, and the land of his pursuits like no one else in history. You know what those four areas were? University or education. Hospital or health. Theater or entertainment. Athletics. Competition. So 
Sound familiar? Education. I'm smarter. My opinion's more important. I need to tell them how it's done and why. And I need to display my superior knowledge on social media. Health. If I just run one more mile and look like what the world says is healthy, then I'm ahead. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to shape my body and my mind to appear healthier on the outside than I am on the inside. Competition, fascination with all things winning. Money, success, kids, comfort. Devoting more time to our sports stars and our celebrities than to our relationship with Christ and those in need. And entertainment, let's be honest. If we lose our phones, we lose the ability to map where we're going, to call somebody, to check email, to work, to pay for stuff, update social media, watch YouTube, Marco Polo. We spend more time on Netflix than we do with our families. The struggle is real to keep him at the center. And the answer is to love God and love people. Be a disciple and make disciples. Friends, our future is bright as a church family if, if we choose to keep Jesus at the center, be disciples. And if we choose to see people, love people, and know why we serve them, to make disciples. And then our future is bright as individual Christ followers if we choose to keep Jesus at the center. And we are authentic and admit when he isn't. And then we step out of our comfort zone in service to others. Be with Jesus and be like him, and then do what Jesus did. Our future is bright if we pursue a missional life all 168 hours of the week, seeing people and loving people in a way that is totally different, counter-cultural, upside-down kind of servant, upside-down kingdom kind of servant. And that path often requires us to step out of our comfort zone. And none of it remains bright if we leave it in this room or wherever you're watching from. So I'm asking us to evaluate. Am I pursuing a kingdom of me? Have I replaced him with things like my kids, entertainment, career? Do you need to go to Nigeria to shift your faith and your lens? Maybe, but not necessarily. Maybe you need to spend some time with our friends down the road who are here from Afghanistan. And if that statement makes you bristle, evaluate why. Maybe you need to mentor a student or be a small group leader in Kids Creek. And if that statement immediately scares you, evaluate why. Maybe you need to deliver food to those who are struggling to buy groceries 
or you need to help an abused spouse move into a new house to start their life over. Or maybe you need to paint some fences so that those with mental health issues can experience joy and peace riding a horse. That opportunity's in your creek, by the way. <laughs> or maybe you need to serve a prisoner who's made choices that you can't even imagine choosing. And if any of that made you cringe, maybe we need to evaluate our worldview. I know that some of those things may be outside your spiritual gifting. I get that. I taught about that a few weeks ago. But family, I'm asking, and I think we need to just go deeper. Go deeper in exploring those spiritual gifts and evaluating our motives. Jesus's worldview is that everybody is to be loved by followers of Jesus Christ always. Everybody, always. And you know what? You Cibolo Creek family, you're doing that well. I love being part of a family of Christ that's doing those things. Did you know that 80 people stepped up in the last three months to serve on our campus, to serve your church family and people who walk through our doors? Did you know that there's a leadership team called Local Outreach with liaisons too? You ready? Hill Country Family Services, Hill Country Pregnancy Care Center, Open Trail Ranch, Hill Country Mission for Health, Kendall County Women's Shelter, Transformation Help, Meadowland, First Responders, Sleep in Heavenly Peace, New Hope Outreach, Riverview and Care Choice, Nursing Homes. And there are people who serve Taking It to the Streets, Thrive Outreach, Kairos Prison Ministry, Forgiven Ministries, and Ransom Life. There's a leader and 12 ambassadors to the school nurses at Bernie School System and Hill Country Pregnancy Care Center. There's a leadership team called Global Outreach who's praying and working and strategizing about serving our world with opportunities for partnerships at the border with those in our backyard, the refugees, our friends in Nigeria and potentially others. And there are several families and individuals doing the joyful, precious, hard work of helping those who had to leave their country and their homes and their families and relocate down the street, who must struggle to work and to eat and to find jobs and to seek medical care and enter their kids in school. They're bringing the gospel to all nations right in our backyard. You church family, you're bringing the gospel to the nations and our future is so bright. If, if we remain committed to Jesus at the center and loving people as he did. Be with Jesus. It's the foundation for all the rest. Be like Jesus. He chose the upside down kingdom path. He wasn't like this world. and then do what Jesus did. He sought out the least and the lost and the discarded, the left behind, the unappealing, the unexpected, and he chose to love and serve outside what's comfortable. 
before I pray for us, I just want to remind us as a church family, our mission is to develop fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ with the vision that we are working together to do whatever it takes to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus, both in our church home and outside this house. If you're ready for a next step in serving someone in your spiritual gifting and outside your comfort zone, you have a lot of options. It's why Cibolo Creek exists. When you came in this morning, that creek you received and online, there's a link to ServeHub. You can look by ministry and by gifting how you can serve somebody in this church family. And in addition this morning, on your receipts, you received some cards. There's a link on our website as well. It represents an incredible opportunity offered by our local outreach team as part of effecting generational change by helping to finish out two homes with Habitat for Humanity for veterans in San Antonio. I wish I had time for another story because I cannot emphasize enough the impact made on a family when they own their own home. And you get to be part of those two teams and then stay for a key ceremony where the keys to that home are handed to those two families. Generational change. Or if you just want to discover what does missional living even mean? I hear you talking about a missional life all 168 hours of the week. Out in Info Central on the resource shelves are some of my favorite books about that topic. Take a picture, just get one. Go through it with your family. And then let's go and do what Jesus did. Look for unexpected ways to serve outside our comfort zone. Like the man on the side of the road, they're out there and he puts them in front of us all the time. Let's be the church family that responds like the Samaritan. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're grateful for the opportunity to gather here on a Sunday morning and learn more about what it is to be a disciple and to make disciples. Lord, I would just ask that this week that you put in front of us opportunities to be like you, to do what you did. Lord, I just ask that you open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, and be with us as we endeavor to make disciples. We ask all things in your name. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. You're dismissed.